Blog Talk Radio. They can abuse and beat up everybody and nobody can stop them. Nobody can stop them. They're having their way with America. They want our guns. And if you're not with them, cops and military, ah, then you will declare that you're with the Republic now. And don't tell me that I'm a weirdo because I'm upset about this, and I should only go get upset about my favorite football team winning or losing. Listen, I know what tyranny means. I know the bankers are putting poison in our food and water. I know the bankers have stolen $8.5 trillion. I know we're under War Powers Act. I know they're hurting us. I know they're carrying out New World Order. I know they staged those terror attacks. You know what it's like to gut up to this and go out every day and go past the peer pressure and come out day one and say, 9-11 was an inside job and lose most of the radio stations I was on. You know what it's like to go to sleep every night knowing you work for a bunch of psychotic killers and you bastards are probably going to end up killing me one day. You know what it's like knowing you've ruined my life. You know what it's like, you sons of bitches. I'm tired of your crap. You commit evil. You're part of an evil system and we're standing up against you. And the Republic is going to defeat you in the end. Some of us won't make it personally through this, but a lot of us are. And in the end, you are going to be brought to justice for all the kids you've kidnapped for CPS, all you CPS workers, all you corrupt bureaucrats, all of you that have had your way with innocent children over and over again who think your evil's invincible. You're not invincible, and God is going to deal with you. And you are cursed to hell. The power of God has freed us.
punching left. Back for season two. After our long summer hiatus, we did one special episode. And uh, here we are. David and I are back like we said we'd be. Uh, I'd be back. How are you doing this afternoon or this evening, David? Great. How are you? I'm doing great myself. Glad to be back. I, I've been, uh, uh, to make a pun, I've been jonesing. Hey, <laughs> the intro is Alex Jones. But I've been jonesing to come back and do an episode. I mean, we've talked about a lot over the summer. Had a lot going on. Lots of topics have come and went. So we cover a lot of territory tonight. We don't really have a guest host. This is pretty much a conversation between us talking about these things. Um, you know, uh, and one of the things that is the major part of this episode is are these uh, Catholic Church scandals. Uh, but I, I've got to say, I mean, I just want to put this out there right out front, is that these sex scandals, they, they didn't really start with the Catholic Church. You know, this stuff's been going on since earlier in the year. Uh, it started out with Hollywood. And it's worked its way all the way through the entertainment business. And to a certain extent, uh, it's even hit politics some. And now it's finally worked its way back around and hit the Catholic Church. Um, I I personally think that knowing some of the things that we've seen for the last uh, couple years or so, since Francis took power uh, or took took control of the the Catholic Church as the Pope, um, we've kind of heard a lot of rumblings. We've heard stories about why... Pope uh, Benedict resigned, uh, and so we've we've kind of been suspicious all along. I mean, what do you think about this thing, David? I know you've got definitely got some stuff to say about it. Uh, there was a telling sign from the beginning of Francis's reign when um, he took uh, Cardinal Burke, who was a very traditional guy, and. Uh, he took him, he was over the, I think he was in the doctrine of faith, a very high rank, and then he brought him all the way down to a um, high, high um, like, advisor to, like, the Knights of Malta. Hmm. Um, and and it, so, it shows that he's, he's kind of, that when he took, that was a sign to me at that point that he's not a traditionalist he's going to be a soft guy okay so so i mean thinking about that though i mean when pope benedict was in office one of the things that he did was because of some of the stuff that had happened around cardinal mccarrick he had taken cardinal mccarrick basically out of the public life yeah. had removed yeah. him from all of his responsibilities and basically him. put him in a position where, yeah, all, well, all he could do was uh, basically he was he was relegated to a life of prayer and penance um, for a lot of the stuff that had been going on. And when Pope Francis got back in, he waited a little bit, I mean not real long, a year or so, and then he pulled uh, Cardinal McCarrick back out and made him his close – not not just an advisor, but his closest personal advisor – and then started to uh, grab up a lot of these guys who had been uh, around McCarrick, in some cases covering up some of the things that he'd done, and in other cases had been involved in some of it themselves, and put them in positions of authority in the United States and in the Vatican, and, and gave them a relatively vast amount of power. So, so what do you think about that? Yeah, it's another indication of his softness and the uh if I'm not mistaken, I believe McCarrick 
is kind of a theological liberal. Uh, and having him as, as a close uh, confidant is just another um, uh, indication that uh, he, this Pope is soft on crime. He, okay. He's going to be as well. He, he he preached. He always preaches um, forgiving. Uh, there's a time for forgiving, but right now is the time of justice, and and that should be on his mind uh, in light of the scandals that have come to light before he took power as pope. Well, don't you think there's a difference though between being forgiving and being uh, um, and and just acting as though something didn't happen. For instance, if somebody is working at the bank and they rob the vault, you know, they, they're going to go to be jail. Merciful. Eventually they'll be forgiven, but that doesn't mean they're going to go to jail, but that doesn't mean that you're ever going to forget what they did and put them back to work at the bank as soon as they get out of jail. They'll never work and make at the them bank your close advisor. So you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you're not, you're not going to bring them in to help you run the bank later, right? You, you're going to be like, well, look, you know. You robbed a bank. You're never working with this bank or any other bank again. So that there's so there's a difference between being forgive for being forgiving and for being stupid. All right. Yeah. When you have someone who does something like this, you can forgive them, but you you don't have to put them back in a position where they can begin to abuse their their uh, their position again all over again. And you're talking about somebody. Who had you know many 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 years of, of sexual uh, of abusing sexually abusing people and we're not just talking about children. He was sexually abusing adult women and men as well. Going back to eighty six, uh, one report says. Mm-hmm. So, so honestly, and other priests, he was sexually abusing other priests. Uh, you know, basically doing work, essentially workplace harassment type stuff, but real harassment. Not a, hey, you know, your hair looks good today. Oh, my God, you're sexually harassing me. Not that kind of sexual harassment. The kind where, you you know, you walk up <laughs> and you grab somebody and grope them and stuff, you know, and actually try to do stuff with them even though they don't want to. That type of sexual harassment. The real stuff, you know. Um, not not the snowflake so, stuff. Right, right. Not the, not the you know, uh, uh, crazy you want to go stuff. You're the date? I'm raping, now. you're raping me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah, so so it well blows my mind. Okay, so so from where I'm standing at, when you one of the revelations that have come out, it was an ambassador from the Vatican, uh, from high, uh, a very very important ambassador, who basically he, he was in a, a seriously connected um, Vatican for years, and. Um, according to him, uh, Pope Francis knew about all this stuff. He knew about oh, yeah, everything he... the whole time, and he still chose to do what he did. It's not like he did what he did and then found out later. He 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 knew it already. Wait, wait. Yeah, he, um... I mean, uh, the, the, from what I understand, I mean, really, for me. I mean, is that is that is that what you heard as well? Uh, you cut out there. What was it you said at the end? 
I said, well, I, I had heard that, that uh, he, he kind of covered for him. I mean, that's what I heard. Is that what you heard as well? Yeah, he said uh, – he didn't say – I, I don't think he said anything. Don't, no. He did – I don't think he uh, uh, said anything about it because he wanted it kind of to die down. Uh, right. As far as we know, um, he hasn't said right. anything. He didn't say anything to anyone about it. He just let's, let's let it blow over so that no one will notice. But something like that stuff dating back to '86, people are not going to forget that. Well, that for me, knowing that he knew about it and, and chose to do the things that he chose to do, honestly, it, it's it's bad for a pope of all people. There's no way to to re to recoup from this for the church as things are right now. There's no way for the church to get back any sort of credibility in the light of this particular situation. The, about the only way that, that it can get back any credibility is it's going to has to step down. We we'll start. He has there. to resign. He's he's yeah. He has to step down from office, and then on top of that. They have to go in, and they have to purge the cardinals and the bishops. Anybody who covered up or anybody who was involved in any of these activities needs to be expelled from the church, period. They can still, they can still come to the church, and they can still get forgiveness, but they need to be removed from the clergy altogether. All of them. Yeah, and I think Paul order, because uh, as, as we've come to find out, um, the idea of a powerful homosexual um, uh, uh, lobby inside the Catholic Church for a long time now has sounded like a conspiracy theory. But what we've come to find no, out no, is that not. it apparently was not a conspiracy theory. It's very real. There are instances, um, as I've talked to you earlier about um, outside the show, is that um, in the they have these. Um, in, inside Rome, they get together and have these little parties, um, little sex parties with among priests, where they get together, um, and they do like orgies, and they'll throw like um, um, this um, degenerate sex party, so that they um, just to have fun, just to occupy themselves, because. Um, hmm. Well, and it. You know, I've heard that before. I'd heard that. I'd read that in a news story prior to our discussion, but I had forgotten about it, and you brought it back to my attention. So, yeah, that's that's hard. That's that's terrible. I mean, it's it's terrible from the sense that the people who have sworn to not engage in, in sexual activity with other people, yeah, they've committed their life to a celibate celibacy. Um. And these are – nobody says that anybody should um, – uh, nobody can make mistakes. You know, somebody breaks down one time and something happens, and then they, they manage to, to find their back and so on, okay? But when it's a, when it's a lifestyle, okay, you, if, if you're a homosexual or a heterosexual and you choose a celibate life as a priest, then you've chosen that life. That doesn't mean you get to pretend like you're celibate. It means you're supposed to be celibate. And it's not important that they're homosexual as long as they're not practicing homosexual, right, because they're celibate. The real issue here is that these are people who were wearing a collar, and they were living a homosexual lifestyle. They were actually practicing homosexuals 
while they were priests. They weren't celibate homosexuals. They were practicing homosexuals on a regular basis. Isn't that correct? Yes, yes, they were practicing, and uh, they were doing it with, uh, I've, from what I've heard, from what I gathered, they've done it with the, within the knowledge of certain people who kn- know about it, it, within the Vatican Curia and everything. Hmm. It's crazy. Well, I, I mean, there's been rumors for years about that stuff getting started, though, that a lot of them start those types of activities in seminary school. Yes. You know, so it it starts as early as prior to becoming a priest. This is, uh, this all stems from an emasculated culture. Well, well, one thing I would tell you is, and this is, okay, so anybody, though, and this is the deal, anybody who would say, oh, you're going to be a priest, you know, they're going to turn you into a homosexual. Or if somebody were to say, well, are you homosexual? Because the only people who become priests are homosexuals. They're, they're wrong. But on the other end of that, all right, because that's not right to say that. But on the other end of it, what it there is something to be said for the idea that it is a convenient hiding place for people with, with less than average sexual predilections. You know, people who, yeah. have, who are homosexual and they don't really want to let it out. Or people who are pedoph- pedophilias, you know, pedophiles, because they they can hide there, you know, and nobody's really going to. A lot of people won't question them about sexuality because they're priests. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you could see that, correct? Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, I think it's un- good. Um. I think that um, yeah, the whole it, we just don't know the source. It's hard to find the source of the problem of why these people are attracted to um, the priesthood uh, of 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 how to that's uh, they probably use it. Um, the reasoning is to use it to get that to get mm-hmm. to get to children. But um, it's hard to um, vet these people and, and find out that they are that. And I think the church needs to install something that w- um, will set off a red flag so that these people don't come into the papacy. Well, or the, I mean, into the, into the priesthood. And... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I mean... Honestly, I mean, it's an easy place. Like I said, it's an easy place to hide. It affords you a, a relative modicum of, of respect within a community. Um, you, you're trusted because you're a priest, and you you're you know you are the center of the church community, and so you know, and you're expected to not be seen with women. Of course, you're celibate. So, people who are not interested in women. It's it's a place where you can go, and you're not going to be questioned about why you haven't been married yet. You know why isn't it that you're not married and have children? You know why do I not ever see you with women? Uh, and, and so it's and this was back you know homosexuality as as being somewhat acceptable in society has only been that way for the last ten fifteen years truthfully. 
And so, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, it was a good place to hide. Well, over many, many decades, a hundred, you know, centuries of, of hiding in that in that environment, uh, I'm sure that it becomes, you know, a, a place where where people are drawn to or like that because there is a community built up inside the church over that period of time. As I said, it's it's not. I don't believe that the church condones it. I don't believe there's anything about the church itself, about scripture or mass, or or the structure of the church or the teachings that that create it. I believe that it is simply a convenient place to hide within society, in plain sight, without being questioned about your sexuality for not being interested in women. It's also. Uh, uh, it's hard to report them to the police because even for people who've murdered people, uh, people who have um, uh, stolen from people, uh, the, a priest is under the threat of excommunication that if he tells, um, if he tells the sin to the police to the police uh, it's like losing his license for priesthood he'll be excommunicated from the church as well so it's not just even that I mean you just don't it's not that you just lose your 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 uh, priest your, your it's violating your a seal license to be you you're kicked out of the church altogether you can't even get communion yeah if you're excommunicated you're not allowed back in. That's no communion for you. Nothing. For any sin. You're banished. For, any, for reporting any – if he off off the record offhand just uh, lightly like lightly disregarded it and said, oh, this person did this, he's, he's excommunicated. Uh, he stole a candy bar. <gasps> That's like um, – uh, that's uh, there's zero tolerance for it. Yeah, see, I, so it's policies like that that need to be questioned. We need to question those as, as Catholics. We need to question those policies. You know, uh, uh, essentially that that allows them to protect people doing things like Cardinal McCarrick did. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so we need to question that type of those types of policies that the church has, uh, protecting people who are committing crimes of this nature. You know, um, <clears throat> it's it's really sad. It's really sad, and and to find out that it goes all the way up to the Pope is even more disturbing and more sad. I heard that they, they yeah. were. Uh, I don't know if this claim is true or not, but I've heard that the. Um, uh, I heard it from a credible source, but someone said that um, uh, that the Soviets. Um, when the Catholic Church was in uh, uh, Russia, that Soviets were influ- trying to influence it. They were they were pushing um, uh, their alternative cultural ideas into the church through priests. You mean of that of the sort that we're discussing already? Um, I think so, or so, or something like. Um, like homosexuality, trying to force the force it into the church. Well, well, my issue with that is is that 
um, I can't see how the Roman Catholic Church could have that much power in Soviet Russia, considering the fact that the default uh, religion is Russian Orthodoxy. It might have seen it as a powerful political opponent. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Well, I I mean overall I, I, I find it I find it it's just very disturbing. It's very upsetting as a Catholic. Um it doesn't lead me to question the foundations of the church. It doesn't lead me to question the church's teachings. And it doesn't lead me to question um uh the church as a whole in general. But it does lead me to question the Pope and some of the more powerful players in the church. And so I really think, as I said before, uh, the only way to really fix this problem is for the current pope to step down and for them to purge all of the cardinals out of the midst of the church, all the bishops, and all of the priests out of the priesthood who have either been engaged in these activities or been engaged in covering them up. And then they need to take a look and change church policies about reporting uh, people who – Priests who commit these types of crimes, in, in particular against children, you know, as far as the, a, a priest engaging in a homosexual or even a heterosexual act with a woman and breaking his ba- vow of celibacy, that's not really illegal. But <clears throat> as but in, in regards to engaging underage children in sexual activities, that should not be protected by the church. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's um, it, it's an old seal thing, but it's uh, it's been detrimental to um, the reputation of the church and the uh, church um, harboring um, pedophiles in their ranks, in their ranks, in the right. cardinals. <laughs> right. 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 We don't, all we, don't, the top. we don't want it to um just lie there for for years and then all of a sudden find about, find out about it. Oh, well, this person's here and now they're here still here 5 years and they're not even being charged with the crime. Well, that's what happened essentially. You know, that that's that's the situation we're in right now and you know, if you think that what happened with the church you know, years ago, with the first uh, slew of, of pedophile charges <clears throat> that went, that racked the church and, and just about brought it to its knees, I think this has the potential to become worse. And if 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 something doesn't happen here relatively soon, I think it will come become worse. I I would not be surprised if 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 the Pope doesn't step down. And actions taken to clean the church up, then I, I, I can't see it, um, it it coming out of this unscathed without severely reduced influence, severely reduced power, and a severely reduced um, uh, um, I guess population of faithful of, of church churchgoers. Of, of, you know, I, I just can't I just can't see it not affecting it. Especially if um, if we went ecumenism, uh, bringing in all the trying to bring 
people to Catholicism. It, 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 no one wants to go. No one wants to say, "I want to be part of a church that that protects um, pedophiles in their rank," because this is a worse situation. Well, well, David, I'd love to say that, but some of the things that we've been seeing lately out there on the academic side, uh, the the <clears throat> the liberals out there, the, those on the left. The, the same ones who, who pushed and pushed and pushed for uh, uh, for us to the normalization of homosexuality and homosexual marriage, these same people now have made it, and they and they swore, oh no, no, they they would say, oh, just stop it. You saying that that this is going to lead to uh, us trying to normalize pedophilia or bestiality or any or incestuous relationships, that's not going to happen. Just stop it. And and look what the fuck has happened. So just in the last six months, I've seen several instances where they're trying to talk about uh, uh, pedophilia as though it's a sexual persuasion, like homosexuality. You know, if you can't who you're attracted. Same old bullshit. Exact same talking about. You can't help who you're attracted to. You're born this. They're born this way. You know, et cetera. Blah blah blah. Someone else can take those talking points and use them. Yeah. Well, it's not. And, it's not someone else, though. In many cases, it's the same people. Yeah. Yeah, they're using those talking points because the pe- people nowadays—it's frightening. They're using talking points as arguments, like we've discussed. And talking talking points are now arguments, so they'll adapt those easy phrases. And you can't discriminate because those easy phrases are are ours, and uh, you can't challenge them because it's not nice. Right. Well, and well, and it also, um, you, you see the normalization of it. I was talking, debating something about this, and I showed them right in their face. Look, uh, normalization of pedophilia in Germany. Look, they're uh, having a little boys dressing up as little five, seven, eight-year-old boys. Dressing up in girls' clothes, pretending to be girls, and them walking around with grown adult men celebrating gayness. Mm-hmm. But They're that's sexualizing not pe- children. But that's not pedophilia. Someone told me. Mm-hmm. Well, it sure, it sure looks, it sure looks like the beginnings of it to me. It's if it's not child abuse, it's pedophilia. Hmm. See, but it could see, be uh, child abuse. Yeah, uh, it depends, I guess, on what the purpose of it's for. If if you, if they're basically grooming those young boys, then it's child abuse. Um, and what's what I find disgusting is is that for years, oh, you can't. The slippery slope is not real. That's that's a fallacious argument. Everybody knows that the slippery slope. Well, okay, so guess what? What do you do when the slippery slope is real? It's falsifiable. What man. do you do? Well, yeah, because guess what? They told us, "Oh, that's you stop talking the slippery slope. Stop arguing with that. That's a that's a fallacious argument. It, it doesn't work that way. You guys are full of shit." On and on and on and on. All these liberals and leftists, you know. And then the next thing you know, guess what? They normalize homosexual relationships and homosexual marriage, and boom, now they're pushing for pedophilia, incestuous relationships, etc. It's happening. The slippery slope is real. 
So uh, regardless of whether the argument looks real to you or not, whether it fits or not, it's happening. It's, it's actually working the way it was predicted to work. So I think uh, we're, we're at a point um, also, though, where they're trying to nor- – in some, in some instances, under certain circumstances, they're normalizing rape. If you look in Europe and you look at uh, Britain in particular, uh, uh, people are – you know, they have these, these uh, grooming gangs, grooming young uh, European females, not, not necessarily – most of the time they are not Arabic females, young white females, and they're grooming as sex slaves as young as 10, 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old, and they get them into these, into these groups and they disappear. And they just pass these girls around continuously. And this went on for a long time. Uh, and they finally caught a big ring, you know, caught several big rings of them. They go to court, they get a slap on the hand. Uh, they rape women, full-grown adult women, rape them. Uh, get into court, one guy raped women. They asked him why he came to the country, or they were talking to him about how it was wrong. And he said that's why he came. He, came, he went to Europe just so he could he could have sex with European women. Uh, and so, yeah, he, he was going to rape women. And you know what they do to these men? They don't even put them in jail. They say, well, you know, it's a different culture. They didn't know they were doing anything <laughs> wrong. Culturally, they're different than here. And they let them go, for the most part. Sorry, I'm laughing, but um, that's, that's the truth. Like that Swedish girl. Um, she did, uh, it wasn't an example of well, he hit and uh, she he the guy this Afghani guy uh, he uh, abused his what physically abused his wife and physically abused his child and that and she um was protesting on the plane you're sending him back to Afghanistan and Afghanistan's a terrible violent country we need him to stay here for us and have asylum. And it turned out he um, beat his wife and child. So and she like didn't he even know. There. Yeah. Oh, that's just a different culture. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a different culture too. Mm-hmm. And they they're not they're not ignorant. They know that what they're doing is wrong. It's just that you know basically uh, 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 manginas are are laying down and letting them go. And that's what the real problem here is in, in both the United States and Europe, is we're overrun with overgrown uh, manginas. The, these men are, are women with penises, and so maybe they do need sex changes because they don't have – I mean they don't act like they have a single bit of testosterone in their entire body. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, the, they don't have the testicular fortitude to commit to Anything or stand for any principle, because they don't want to come across as mean. But I, I'm willing to come across as mean myself if I have to. Well, you know, you know, uh, if you stand up for yourself, you're being mean. If you actually stand up for what's right and you draw a line in the sand, well, you're a mean person. You're not. You, you're, you're not. Uh, you're not displaying empathy or compassion. Where's your compassion? Fuck compassion, fuck empathy. I'm, yep. I'm all about justice. Yep, that's right. Fuck your compassion and fuck your empathy. And as a matter of fact, 
if I find out that you raped a little kid, you're going to find my empathy at the end of my fist. You know, that's, yeah. that's how I feel about it. So, you know, the, the, the issue here is, is that as a society, people wonder why we're, why we're allowing in so many uneducated. These are uneducated, non-white males from non-white cultures. Why is that happening? Well, what if feminism is a test and white males are failing it left and right? And so we're importing men who don't, who don't uh, subscribe to feminism. They come in. These, these guys come in from foreign countries. They marry a woman of European descent in the United States. They don't let her walk all over them. They don't put up with her shit. They're not feminists. They dominate her. They have a traditional old world type of family structure. And those women, they're fine with it. Oh, you know, I, I went with this culture because it's, it's, it's real. You know, I feel, like I, have a, women, I feel like I have a place in it. I love my new husband. Well, of course you do. They're men. They're not these little cucky, low-T soy boys that you've been, you know, that disgust you. And that's the problem. We're our own worst enemies. Yes, yes. I even preach. Uh, well, I don't preach too much. I don't try to convert women when I talk to them. But what I I tell them this is what I stand for, and I don't care what you think. Well, yeah, you should, and that's what I do too. And um, uh, one of the things that really drives me nuts is that I see uh, I, I see these guys and these women. They're these feminist women with these guys who are basically domestic authoritarians, and they've been talking about how, oh, uh, you know, men shouldn't do this and white men shouldn't do that. You know, they're not good to women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and really, that it's just the opposite. They've laid down and let you have your way. It's a biological thing, in my opinion. I, I don't believe that that. Uh, uh, that whole scenario plays out because of anything other than strictly genetics and biology. You know, someone who who has read and spent a lot of time studying evolutionary psychology, uh, I, I I think that there are certain things that and I don't care who you are, uh, if you're a male, you're going to respond to. Period. No matter what kind of opinions or what you say you believe in or, or subscribe to, and the same goes for women. And women can walk around and talk about how. Women can do everything a man can do and all of this stuff all they want. But at the end of the day, almost every woman out there, whether she subscribes to feminism or not, if she is even three-quarters of the way properly functioning, she has a certain amount of affinity for a man's man. Even if she talks about how much she hates him. In the end, she has some attraction to maleness, and that's why a lot of these feminist women end up these men from non-European cultures because they're they have a lot of machismo. They don't they don't apologize for it. Just like you just were talking about, you don't apologize for it. No, I don't. Right, and I don't either. And you shouldn't apologize for being a man. 
The minute you start apologizing for me to the man, you fail the test, buddy. Yeah, they, that's my they, opinion. These guys, these, yeah, these guys nowadays, a lot of them are just a bunch of effeminate half halfwits who just um, they they just want to appeal to them so that they will get them to fuck them. Right, and but so that doesn't work anything. anyway. Well, maybe they ought to just start being themselves and start acting like men. You know, start start. Start actually behaving like a male. Get off and quit. Stop playing on your Xbox. You know, get off your Xbox and stop drinking your coffee with soy milk and put it down. And and go get on a motorcycle or go work on your fucking car. You know, go do something. Go do something, manly. At least once in a while. Go have a beer. Watch the. Something, something that says I got a pair. Instead uh, of you know, get your skinny jeans wearing ass up and out of your house. Like but, yeah, if you um, see someone in the church doing wrong, you go um, you go up to them and uh, tell them why they're wrong, and you don't keep them by your side as a counselor to. Uh, inform you on matters of advisement. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So back a hundred years ago, most men, except for the most, the the least honorable of men, most of the time, men would not tolerate that. You did what with a little? He, they did what with a little kid? You either get him out of, you get him the fuck out of here, or I'm going to take care of him. That's how most men work. And by God, they took care of it if you didn't. If you didn't get them into jail or wherever, they got taken care of. You know, and now, you know, everybody just sits and watches TV and hopes the police will take care of it. Oh, the police have got it. We just, let's, let's go play golf, honey. You know, it's, it's just like it's, this, it's like everything. A society of convenience. Mm-hmm. That's right. We're, we're we are over uh, we're over domesticated is the issue here. Uh, Western European society has become overly domesticated. The males are overly domesticated, and that is really what the problem is. We have been too successful at making life easy to the point to where we have become soft. And on top of that, we have set up our society to take care of every little problem that any person might have instead of forcing them to get up off their ass and go take care of it themselves. You think about that. You don't want to work? Your wife is working, but still not enough money? Get on food stamps. That'll take care of you. Hey, how many guys I saw in their 20s sitting around on their ass in front of their television playing fucking games and drinking beer while their wife was at work, and their wife would come home, take care of the kids, clean the house, 
And and they couldn't make enough money so they could get on fucking food stamps and lie and say that he wasn't in the house anymore. You've seen it all the time. That's why I hope the alt-right takes over. Yeah, well, that's the epitome of the white male. That is, that is, that's the new white male. That's what most people have come to see. I've seen it time and time again. And then, the, and then people want to know why it is that women gravitate towards minority men or, or even older men. Can't figure it out. So it it just I think I think uh, I think you're right. You know, um, and, it, and this all goes back to everything: participation trophies, um, you name it. Democracy has an emasculating effect. Oh, sure it does because it introduces it's a it's a massive dose of slave morality that is normalized. Right? I it's think a massive in, dose of it. I'd say most uh, of your um, cardinals in the church, uh, because associated with the West, a lot of them are from democracies, and democracies have become about fairness and let letting everybody have um, a piece of everything mm-hmm. uh, for free. So. Well, it's about uh, yeah, minimizing competition. They want to minimize competition. Competition makes you strong. You know. So, so they think that. Um, uh, so they tend to think in a very bureaucratic way about things. Very mm-hmm. convenient thing based thing, and. It goes back, yeah, to slave morality. This papacy, this pope, uh, Francis, he uh, he perpetuates slave morality in the church. He, uh, especially among his political thought, and people who are Catholics on the left are telling me that he must accept his idea of immigration from. Um, Countries because that's pro life position. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's what I would tell you. I looked, I looked through the Bible. I couldn't see anywhere where it said that nations shouldn't have borders. Did you see? Have you ever seen anything in there? Uh, like one of, the, one of the commandments: "Thou shalt not have, thou shalt not have borders" or some shit. No, uh, what was it in the Old Testament? Keep out those people over there. They are sinners. Don't associate with them. That's right. So keep out the people who bring bad shit with them. We don't want their bad behavior. We've got people we've had to deport 30 fucking times. And people don't hear about it until they murder some unsuspecting 16-year-old girl or something like that. Oh, he's from a different culture. No, yeah, that's right. Oh, I forgot. Sorry. Excuse me. I forgot. He's from a different culture. <laughs> Hold on. Let me let me drop my drawers and bend over for him. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what I'm talking that about. That type of crap. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, ultimately, you know, we talk about slave. We've we've been talking about this. We were started talking about slave morality in season one. 
here we are at season two, first episode of season two, boom, slave morality right out of the box. It, it's just it's just so transparent nowadays. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, permeated Western civilization. It's um, it's what the um, pope, this current pope, believes in. Uh, uh, European countries should accept these migrants and take them in, and the men should uh, mate with the. Uh, you should mate with them because they're um, good people. Hmm. Right. So, so basically, um, you know, we talk about slave morality. For those of you that are listening to this, listen to this as a radio show, and excuse me, for those of you that listen to it as a podcast, uh, you know, uh, uh, Nietzsche, uh, which you, who I believe, and I think David would agree, is probably the greatest philosopher of the 19th century, uh, talked about. <clears throat> The, the issue he pointed out as an issue with Christianity, and, and I think I think he was both right and wrong. I think it's an issue with modern Christianity. I don't I don't believe it was an issue with with older Christianity. But uh, you, you'd almost think because of that that slave and master morality concept would almost just be for atheists. But I don't believe it is. I mean, Jesus said some things that, <clears throat> and, and you have to put things in perspective. You know, some people think that the only thing that Jesus cared about was love. And that's not necessarily true. You know, he, he, he did care about love. It was a big deal to him and, and helping those that were less fortunate. But he also told told people, you know, to, to you know, if, to come travel with me, you know, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one, you know, basically to defend yourself. And he also told, he also said that he, he didn't come to bring peace to the world. He, you know, he came to set brother against brother and, you know, son against mother and father and so on, et cetera. And so, so yeah, this last time that Jesus came, he came to he came to talk about love and peace and show everybody that that's you know there was a big part of Christianity. But these people seem to forget that he's coming back, and when he comes back, that's not what he's coming back for. When he comes back, he's coming back to bring the sword to the world. He's going to finish the business, and that means he's going to those people that didn't accept him. Well, he's going to going to kick their kick their asses basically. A libertarian uh, pointed out, an atheist libertarian pointed out that passage. See, he's not about peace. See, I'm more pro-human than he is. <laughs> well, I mean, that could be true. I mean, in some respects, he because because God's pro-human, God's pro, pro-human soul and spirit. He's, he's pro what we're going to become. Pro-Christian. Yeah. You know, you know. So it... it the people that followed him, you, and that's the other thing about slave morale. This is where you start to see it permeate the church. This is how how bad it's gotten, David. Um, I bet you that you and any of our listeners out there will know that somebody or themselves has said at some point in the past that they're Christians. Well, you know, Christianity is not the only way to God. It's not the only way to heaven. If you're a good person and blah, 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 you go to heaven. No, that's not what the Christian faith teaches. It teaches ostracism. It teaches exclusivity, very much so. And that whole uh, everybody gets to go to heaven. You don't hear someone like Trump saying that. You hear the past president say that, and it became an accepted tautology. Right. 
And, and the bad part about it is, is that there's people that actually believe that. That you, uh, you know, there's Christians that say that kind of stuff. The Pope said some stuff like that. You know, the the whole the whole thing here is that that he it was very specific. Christ is very specific. Whosoever believes in me, accepts me as a savior, basically the Son of God, and realizes you can't get to God unless you get to Him through me. That, that, then you're saved. You, you get to go on to the next level. But he didn't say, and those who don't accept me, there's other ways. He didn't say that. He's very specific. So, no, you can't be a Christian and get to God some other way. You, you're either a Christian or you're not. Because being a Christian simply means you believe that. You believe he was the Son of God. You believe you get to God through him. Period. There is no other way. So that's the slave morality talking though. Oh, you could get to God. All all religions are relevant. Not according to not according to, to Christianity, they're not. Anyway, I, I can tell you, you had something you wanted to throw in there, David. Yeah, I'm not a a fiendist. Uh, a guy named Feeney, he taught that um, uh, only Catholics go to heaven, but uh, I I know that's not the case, and uh, I can't judge who goes to uh, who goes to hell, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a few Catholics did that we know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of Catholics do, a bunch of Protestants do, and a whole bunch of non-Christians do. Uh, you know, and and honestly, I'm not saying that I'm I've got some kind of lock on heaven myself, but what I am saying though yep. is that with all the Protestants, they can believe whatever they want. They can believe the unicorns are real, that dragons are hiding from us and still real out there, that aliens are in orbit around the Earth. They can believe whatever they want, but at the end they, of the they, day. If they accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Savior, and their only way to heaven, they're going. They do things, you know, they, they do can, it right. They're Christians. They, they, they can believe that um, there was an original underground church that just showed up uh, that was under the radar for 1,500 years, and then all of a sudden came around. We were around because you you were the uh, Church of Babylon. And we were the church, the real church. We were hidden for fifteen hundred years, and we just uh, we were under the radar, and we shown up. Uh, they they can believe that too. <laughs> who, who who believes that? There's some groups of fundamentalists that believe that that they were the oh. church that <laughs> it's there's They're no the real church. They were the real church two thousand years ago. They were just hidden, and that the. Um, oh. The Catholic Church was the uh, was the uh, apostate church that um, for t- that the, that merged at the same time. And there's no well, there's no evidence. <laughs> well, I'm I suppose we're going to hear a lot more crazy stuff like that now after some of the things that have transpired in the last couple of weeks or so. But but I, I guess my point I guess the whole point I'm trying to make here yeah. is that the cat is that you can be a Christian and not subscribe to slave morality. Yeah. All right. Now, now, you know, one of the things that I, I think is is interesting is that there's an awful lot of people out there that think that rich people can't go to heaven. But it didn't say that it was impossible. The Bible just said it was really, really hard. 
I mean, if that's the case, then I guess Abraham's not in heaven. Moses isn't in heaven. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of wealthy figures. Joseph, none of those people got to go to heaven, right? Because they were rich. Yeah. You know, God oh, yeah. has a tendency of making making his favorite people rich. I guess I mean, they'll am, point am out I Job. Wrong? I guess they'll point out Job at that. A test. Okay, so yeah. a test, right? Yeah, that's yeah. different. Yeah. You know, he didn't test Abraham that way. You know. Mm. So, so so I think I think that the the idea that somehow that the poor people of the world are ethically and morally superior just the very fact that they're poor is absolute falsehood. Being poor yeah, does get... not give you any sort of ethical or moral high ground at all. Now, the idea that the meek will inherit the earth, you know, there are meek people who are rich. Just because oh, yeah, you're rich yeah. doesn't mean you're meek. You're not meek. So I, I just I just think uh, I just think that there's an awful lot of things going on out there, assumptions that that people make that and it's all slave morality. And there's a reason why communism and, and Christianity resemble each other in many ways so much because the amount of slave morality that permeates you. Yeah, but. yeah. I touched a nerve with someone yesterday when I explained that to them. They were like, "But me and this other guy believe that the rich should be taxed because." We're part of this lower middle class, and I'm like, I'm like, nah, like, just because someone agrees with you doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> right. Just because there's two of you and one of me, I mean, you're righter than I am. Um, and 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 you're, you're right. You know, you're right about that. I, I think that um, uh, that see that that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think the rich should be taxed because mm, because I'm poor. Okay. Talk about begging the question, uh, and so so you know all of this. I, I would say, I, in my opinion, we can pin about eighty to ninety percent of society's problems nowadays on slave morality, Christian communist type morality. Uh, well, and I say Christian, I mean modern Christian morality, not original Christian morality. Yeah, a lot of uh, original European, um, especially the Catholic morality, is about a lot of it was about um, master morality, being a person of excellence, um, being masculine, being a man, and taking control, and not uh, not being a a victim of society. Mm-hmm. Well, look and at that, look at what God does for his lifted. favorite. What's that? And being uplift, uplifted in, as a as a vic in the victim, and being uplifted in victimhood and seen as a um, it's like in totally inverted. Right. I mean, it is because you know it's one thing you you see a lot of guys who are gifted and they're well off because of it. And a lot of times they'll say, you know, I, I give thanks to God for this. And that's that's one thing, right? Because if you look at guys like Samson, uh, you know, it's super strength, right? 
that was a gift from God. But the point was, though, is that he was famous and well off, well thought of, and admired. Uh, and it, it, those those traits that he had were considered to be virtue. His strength was a virtue. You know, Abraham was considered wise and wealthy. Those were virtues. You know, his his faith in God was a virtue. But never once did uh, did God um, uh, tell him to give all of his away that that he was not virtuous because he was wealthy or good at something. You know. Um, People seem to seem to have this idea in their head that if you're wealthy, you owe everybody something. It's just not true. It's just not true. Well, you wouldn't have got. What about the old saying? Here's something that we talked about one day. What if I were to say to you, "Yeah, but you couldn't have earned all that wealth if it weren't for society." <laughs> I would say, well, you wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for me. There'd be a lot of people in society who wouldn't have jobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Kind, I got of, into, kind of. It's another one of those things, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, I got. Yeah, some people, like one person at work, was touting. Uh, this company pays a a wage slavery. No, the slave slave wage. It's it's wage slavery. Yeah. Yeah, right. the idea the idea that they work for minimal money means that they're a good person and they need a raise because they put their la- so much labor into it and they need to off the company in order to um survive as an individual so they need a higher wage. Well, first of all, as I've said many times before, slaves don't fucking earn wages. Let's start there. Second of all, you can't fucking quit when you're a slave. So not only do you not get paid, but you don't get to quit and get another job that possibly gets a higher wage. Um, <clears throat> if you're unhappy with your wages, do something about it. Go get training, start your own business, get educated, find a new job, whatever. But stop making up bullshit terms like wage slavery. That's what we call – it's what Orwell called double speak. Yeah. Now, typically – when someone starts talking about, like, for instance, it, doublespeak usually is set up in order to mask an intent to cause harm or injustice to somebody else. Um, by, by claiming that, that it's wage slavery, what he's insinuating is that he's owed something and that, he, and that he's justified in any action. He would actually be justified in any action he would take in order to rectify it. Including up into violence and theft. You know, these are the kind of guys that'll steal little things when nobody's looking from their employer, and then when somebody does say something to them, be like, "Well, yeah, well, I'm just a fucking wage slave. My boss takes advantage of me." <laughs> he's trying to justify. Yeah, he's trying to justify. Did, didn't you voluntarily put in an? Didn't you voluntarily put in an application and then sign your contract and then oh. you? Boss, what well, is your services? Eat. I gotta eat, dude. <laughs> you gotta eat, so someone has to has to by force to pay for it. Right. 
So basically, the, you, you, they've got me where they want me. In order to survive, I have to go take that job. No, you don't. Go over there on the public land, build you a teepee, and hunt squirrels and rabbits all day. That's what people used to do before we had wage slavery. People used to go hunt and gather. Start a little garden. Save up, root, you know, grow roots and to eat, eat carrots and potatoes all winter long. That's too much work. That's right. That's right. You know why? You know, because I don't, you know, it's wages like, because I don't want to live like that. That's right, because the alternatives are worse. But you have alternatives. They're just not as good. The real issue is that you're a lazy fuck. That's the real issue. So, you know, I'd get so sick of hearing shit like that. Wage slavery. I'm alienated from my labor. (laughs) (laughs) You're alienated from fucking sanity is what you're alienated from. Fucking, you got to be, basically you're displaying anti-personality disorder. Anti-social personality disorder is what really is going on, shithead. Anyway, go ahead. You're just speaking from the bourgeoisie. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right, right. So, so bourgeoisie. Uh, it's just all it is a pejorative. That it shouldn't even be a pejorative. In order to try and paint the middle class as something that they're not, you know, um, the, the upper middle class is something that they're not. Uh, it, it, the whole thing is just bullshit. It's all slave morality. But we, you could take it all the way back. I mean, you everything in our society, everything that's going on. The shit with, with the Catholic Church, the, the the current Pope, the the our our the situation with the left and the president Donald Trump, all of it, it's all can go back to the same, an entitlement mentality, victimhood status type shit, and, and it, it's, it's kind of like you don't you don't see him going to jail, you don't see harsh punishments. Um, because, because they're um, covered, basically covered. Mm-hmm. They won't. They're not going to investigate the allegations. Um, it has to be done by someone else. Someone yeah. in, within the church. Someone within the church has to go in and do it. And uh, well, and Vigano, um, Vigano, the um, um, cardinal, he did it. He went public. He's a he's a mm-hmm. man. That's that's being a man, right? That's someone who's like, look, no, no more bullshit excuses, no more hiding said, and covering things up and, and stopping people from meeting justice. Yeah, Vigano, um, he said, I want to go to heaven with a clear conscience. I don't want to be part of this. Good for him. Good for him. You know, and and it's just it. it our, we are covered up in the West with an, a, a sickness, a sickness, and, and it's 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 petty nar- uh, narcissism for one thing. And the sla- we, we're hiding our own, even the poorest among us are is hiding our own narcissistic uh, mannerisms and behaviors and thoughts under the under the uh, veneer of. I'm morally superior than you. I'm poor, or I have empathy for the poor, or 
compassionate, and really all along they're just a bunch of narcissistic assholes. And when you start looking at the chart, you start looking when you look at Hollywood, Weinstein and all these people and how they railed against Trump. And then within three to six months of you know all this crap about Trump, next thing you know, Hollywood is just all over overflowing with people who have either assaulted children or young women and and demanding quid pro quo and things like that. And these are all people who are, you know, compassionate for the little people, compassionate enough to try to have sex with your 18-year-old daughter who's trying to get an acting job. Or compassionate enough. Yeah. Like Roman Roman Polanski, he's an old he's an older example. Um, people mm-hmm. know he's a, a they slept with a fourteen year old, but he's like protected too. He's another um, uh-huh. the Hollywood play slave morality. Of course they do. Um, well, well, see the the really bad part is is that they convince the little guy they convince regular everyday people that slave morality is good. They convince regular everyday people that they're for them, that they have slave morality, that they sympathize with the little people. They have compassion for the little people. And really all along is they're preying on the little people. They're fucking predators. And that's really what it's all about, both in Hollywood, in in the government, and in the church. These people are predators, and they're preying on people by pretending that they're there on the little people's behalf, they're hiding behind slave morality and, and and acting as though they agree with it and they want to be a part of it. When all along, they're really taking part. They're they're, they're wolves. They're masters. Do, do and you think advantage of their position? Do you think since um, Roman Polanski was uh, is one of one of them. Um, I know Weinstein wasn't as protected. I guess that's a good another example. But do you think since Polanski's one of them, if it was some someone from another group, that they would be as protected? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. But I can tell you that where they congregate to are the places where they can hide. Where they can be assured of being protected, and one of the reasons they, if you if you look, if you really really look, it seems to me so far that what I'm beginning to find out is that the people who hate Donald Trump the most typically are in these enclaves, and it seems like that they don't really hate him because he's a Republican, they don't even really hate him because he's a businessman, they don't even hate him because he's Donald Trump. They hate him because he's so – like he wears his his thoughts on his sleeve. He's so outspoken, so forthright about most of the things that he thinks as far as politics. And these are people that have spent their life training themselves at rhetoric, at verbal subterfuge, at sneak, being sneaky, at, at, at saying one thing, at talking out the side of their mouth, at saying one thing while at the same time using their position to – uh, take advantage while pretending as though they want to. Uh, they want to. They're there to help. They're there for the for the regular everyday people. And so he actually is there for regular people, 
He's extremely honest about what he wants to do. There's nothing hidden there. And that that sets them off because he's he's not hiding. They're all hiding. They're all snakes, and he's not a snake. And that's why they hate him. He's disruptive to their activities. Which, in the case of politicians in Washington, it's selling America out to foreign nations and foreign corporations. To in, in Hollywood, it's because he used to be in Hollywood, but he doesn't act like them. He doesn't protect people. He doesn't play their games. And in in uh, in you know in the news media, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't do all the pomp and circumstance, you know. He doesn't. He's not acting like a president. He's actually being a president. So they hate him, <laughs> you know. It's it's all all this stuff is interconnected. All the corruption in the church, in Hollywood, in the government, in the news media, it's all for the same shit. It's all the same thing. People in power taking advantage of their positions. And lying to the people about what they're doing. Yeah. Pretending to be good people, and really at the back end of things, they're the most evil, slimiest fucks that ever walked the face of the earth. These are often people also that virtue signal. Well, that's that's the game. That's the game. The more The more out in front, the more in your face they are with their virtue signaling... Oh, I believe you know. The more they scream about equality, the more they scream about multiculturalism, the more they scream about open borders, about compassion, about empathy. The more likely it is there's something wrong with them that we can't see that they're hiding. Yeah, it's just that's the way it is. I mean, and. and one of the bad parts about it is, is that they're just almost completely divorced. It seems like they're divorced from reality, but that's not what it is. It's that they are tripping over themselves to virtue signal against, for instance, Donald Trump so fucking hard that they, they are trying to make something out of nothing just so they can virtue signal against him. And it looks like they're crazy. It's not it. They're just it's, they're, it's like a contest. Who can virtue signal harder? Hey man, get out of the way. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna show everybody how good of a person I am. Yeah, or I'm. You know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna show these people how. You know how how uh, how much how much I hate Trump. Like, look at Robert fucking De Niro. Oh, That's God. a worthless piece of human garbage. If I ever fucking saw one. You know, and Tom Arnold, there's another fucking real winner for you. That fat fucking piece of shit. He's married uh, to Roseanne. He, not anymore, he's not. Yeah, yeah I know, they're divorced. divorced. No, I don't know. Um, these guys, man. So so when, we, when I look at the church, I mean, honestly, for me, it's par for the course. Uh, I look at I look at our society. I look at the West, the shape that it's in. It's par for the fucking course. 
It's all wrapped up. It's all caused by the same thing. We are we are rotten on the inside. Our institutions, our governments, our our, our social institutions like our churches, every, we're rotten from the inside out. Our men are weak, and and it's just the way it is. You know, what's what is actually left of of Western European culture? We need to we need to do something to preserve it. At least that's from the perspective that I'm looking at things from. Yeah, and that's what this show's about for me. You know, it's not about preserve. I don't care. I don't care about the government. I mean, I don't. It's about preserving, preserving what we have left of Western culture, and uh, trying to salvage something out of this mess that we that has been created. And, and it's really sad because for a long time I thought maybe you know it could be done with the Catholic Church, but I, I'm, this this sure does put a, uh, a crimp in that, you know. So, it's um, go ahead. man. I wish we had someone like that um, uh, Michael Voris guy on. <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting figure, isn't he, Michael Voris? Yeah, yeah. He um, he speaks about um, masculinity uh, being needed in Catholicism and in the to to grow and to uh, a. In one video, I think the video I showed you, he said that um, um, we would have a whole different um, uh, Catholic culture if uh, our society was filled with real men. I know. We certainly would. And and that's really, really what's at stake here. You know? Yeah, he's um, he, he's as tired as us of the whole feminization and emasculation going on, and and he probably would be um, if you presented it to him, he'd probably say, "Yeah, I'm against much of slave morality," for the way he talks. Well, well, a lot of the issues that I that I have and I, I see with young people is that. A lot of there's for instance there's a lot of younger people who are raised conservative, <clears throat> and when they hit college, by the time they get done with public school, I mean it's it's tough to be raised conservative and then go to public school and listen to a lot of the stuff that's said. But then you hit college and you're just hammered with a lot of very leftist ideas, and it's very difficult for young people to go into college for four and a half years or five years. And come out unscathed. Now, in some instances, some of the people who go in and get a college education come out, and they're actually it reinforces their conservative values. Uh, I happen to be one of those people. In other cases, people go in conservative, and it twists them around, and when they come out, they're centrists, center right or center left, or they come out as a full blown leftist all of a sudden. They never recover. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed any of that, but yeah, yeah, I 
I went to college, and I went to high to school back in the '90s when they were sending us to um, through public education. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever we walked in line, they made us like uh, put our uh, hands almost in an insecure fashion, like we're supposed to be like like they made us put our hands behind our back as a sign of like reverence or something. But uh I think that was an example of uh uh it's kind of that that gesture to training me resemb- Yeah, training me to training everyone to be insecure almost as an insecure position to put your hands behind your back. That's what it communicates to me. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, public schools, uh, they they seriously indoctrinate um, children. Um, Now, I I mean, because honestly, I don't believe that you need, not everybody needs 12 years of of public school. Not everybody needs to go to school until they're a sophomore. Um, The main reason is we we go to school to learn to read, to write, to do arithmetic, to learn science, and to learn history. Right? Me as a public educator says that it, all it all of it benefits you because you went through it. Well, I don't think it all does, and and I think that there are some people who go to public school who never intend to do anything other than, for instance, become an automotive mechanic, and that's fine. I think being an automotive mechanic is a great job if you like if you enjoy doing it. But they don't tend to ever be to do more than that. That's that's their ambition. They want to be the best automotive mechanic. That you could possibly find, and and we need good automotive mechanics. It's it's I I love a good automotive mechanic. They're, it's they're hard to find. But the point is, is do they really need to go to algebra? Do they need four years of college? Do they need to take trigonometry and calculus? It's because the state says you need all these things, and because the state says you need all these things, it must be right. Well, I know. I, I, and so, so really, you know, there's a lot of people out there that could benefit uh, uh, basically being done if they could pass certain tests, being done with public school probably at the age of 12 or 13, and then two years' worth of vocational school experience for whatever trade they want to do if that's where the route they want to go. You know, computer IT, com, I, IT information technology, I've done it for over 20, over 20 years now, approaching 25 years in IT. And the problem here is that it doesn't require a college degree. Now, a lot of people go to school for a degree in computer science or uh, information technology or data processing, or as some people say data processing. Of course, I say data is a fucking Android on Star Trek, but uh, data <laughs> processing. Yeah, right, right. So so you you don't have to go to college for that. I hold several certifications. I probably have the equivalent of a two-year degree just from certifications alone. Uh, so it's not necessary to be an expert in the IT field. It's just not. So I, I and I think that college and the last three or last three years or so of, of high school is basically brainwashing. It's it's creating uh, corp- good corporate citizens. Um, as a matter of fact, um, College, uh, Catholic colleges can be some of the worst. Not 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 academic wise. Um, their stuff is very good. The way it's presented, um, 
lot of your Catholic colleges are uh, very left-wing, and Michael Vorce speaks to this. He went to Notre Dame, and he says um, a lot of people go to Notre Dame. A Catholic college come out atheist, come out Buddhist, come out Muslim. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a uh, famous Catholic university, but this is from um, from multiculturalism, um, uh, accepting every religion as the as part of a democracy is all is all good, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all that pluralism. Well, and and see, uh, St. Louis University. It's a, it's it's a very respected university. Has a beautiful campus. Has thriving programs. However, you wouldn't it, it, other than the name. And other than looking at some of the aspects of it, you wouldn't have a clue that it was a Catholic university. They've even removed um, uh, statues and stuff off the campus at times, and different different kinds of statues related to, to Catholicism. It's, it's just it's absolutely crazy. I bet the left likes that. Oh no, they do. That's what's wrong. The, a lot of the Catholic universities are being uh, imp- they're being uh, uh, infiltrated. Take those statues down by. by yeah, by by rampant leftism, you know, all these people are coming in, and you've got you've got Catholic universities teaching Marxism. Catholics have been against Marxism for two hundred years, or one hundred fifty years. They've they've never support been for Marxism. Why are all these leftists into iconoclasm? They sound like Protestants. I, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, well, I, I I don't know. <laughs> I all I can tell you is. is I I think I think that you know the pedophilia, uh, a lot of the stuff that we're looking at in our society, the the rotting that's going on, all the stuff, it it can be traced back to a lot of the things that are being taught in our universities and our schools, unnecessary schooling. They for a long time they have preached that everybody needed college. I don't believe that everybody needs college, and I think it's a detriment to some people. You know who? Um, uh, well, Michael Voris also spoke about this. You know, um, he had a program on this. You know who um, went into Catholic colleges and they embraced him like a like he was some sort of royalty. He went into Catholic colleges um, and he met with a bunch of Catholic bishops uh, while. Um, Work, uh, while going to these colleges with um, Saul Alinsky. Man, and see, that is that is what I'm talking about. You know, uh, the, really, honestly, Catholicism has no business getting involved in politics. It really has zero business getting involved in the political world. Its university should be apolitical. It should be apolitical. And the only thing is, is that those universities should adhere to church canon. If if the church doesn't believe in Marxism, then the university shouldn't be teaching Marxism. As a matter of fact, if I were like a chancellor at one of those universities, a president, I would uh, not allow people like that there. Well, and I, when I say not teaching Marxism, I don't mean that you can't teach about Marx or his philosophy. What yeah, I mean yeah. is you shouldn't be advocating it in the classroom. And, and you should um, – I, I would personally wouldn't. If I were running a Catholic college, I wouldn't allow people like him there. I would say, go away. 
people yeah, who I would not have invited him in either. And not I would say you're, at least not treated him like royalty. Yeah, they you did. Know, they accepted uh, him and embraced him. Yeah, that, that's that's what that's, certain, this certain, is what I'm. Certain people and, within the church liked his ideology. Right. So there's a problem there. Yeah, you know, it, the end of the story is at the end of the day. Really, though, you know, like I said, uh, one of the things that's wrong when I say over domestication, one of the things that's wrong with our society is too much education. That's a, that's a symptom, in my opinion, of over domestication. We're we're overly domesticated, overly civilized. Um, not every man needs a four year degree. If you're going to be a teacher, you need it. If you're going to if you're going to be take certain professions, yes, you need a four year degree or a six year degree or an eight or a ten year degree. You know, a doctorate uh, or eleven, twelve year degree, however, whatever you want to say it is. But the the point is. Is it just depends on what you're going to do. But a, a guy who's going to get out and st- – you don't need a, a, a four-year degree to start a business necessarily. I mean Sam Walton. What was Sam Walton's education level? Do you know? I don't think he went to college. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he did not. All right, And, and so really uh, – you know, and there was a time. A lot of this is driven by uh, perspectives. You know, there was a time when, uh, if you didn't finish high school, I mean, it, it wasn't good, but it didn't necessarily stop you. Then he got to where, if you didn't finish high school, you couldn't hardly get a job. Have, so have you noticed construction like a, or something? If you notice a trend where the left, um, where the left's hard. When the left has a leaning bit of control and power over a culture like ours, um, people can say, "No, there's no left-wing bias or left-wing control of culture." There is. It's 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 apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, with their slave morality, because that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, well, I mean, look what they're doing with social media platforms. They're, they're consistently saying. We're not biased towards the left or the right. And then, but who are they doing all the banning on? Facebook right. and Twitter and YouTube and, do, and they're banning people on the right. And then have the have the nuts to turn around and say we're not banning anybody on. This. It's not about left or right. But yet, almost everybody who's getting banned is on the right because our speech is violence, and their violence is freedom of speech. Asking a woman out is rape. That's right. Unless she decides she wants you to. But if she changes her mind after later, after you've been out, then you raped her. (laughs) Be real careful here. (laughs) Mitigating circumstances. Right. (laughs) When he asked me out, he was wearing this cologne I really liked and and I realized later it was just a cologne, and he tricked me. It was rape. You know, it's always something oh, stupid, right? Oh, God, yes. It's it's terrible. Uh, hey, yeah, the, you look nice today. That's it. I'm calling HR. You know? You know what I'm saying? My name is Muhammad. Whack. Oh, he, uh, he's... 
my my black guy. Uh, oh, he's from a different culture. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you look nice today. I'm calling HR, but my name's Muhammad. Oh, okay. Thank you. You know, I have to say, I've got to be just honest. I mean, I have to say, I have to preface some of this stuff. Uh, I know lots of guys who are from different parts of the world, and most of these guys are pretty pretty skilled and fairly intelligent, and, and they're not like that. I think where you're running into a lot of that stuff is where we just let anybody in, and um, they are, these people are uneducated, unskilled, unwhatever. And these are the people that are committing a lot of these crimes, a lot of these problems. Uh, the more educated, more intelligent people coming from these other countries, they're a lot less likely to have these problems. And that's yeah. one reason why, uh, uh, it, you know, it's one thing to say, well, you know, I want to bring this guy into the country because he's got this knowledge that nobody in the United States has, and it will give the United States an upper hand, this one guy. And it's another thing to be like, just open the borders, just just. Stop enforcing the board. It's two different things, you know. Uh, and, and if you only target the most knowledgeable people and so on, you'll find that your immigration is almost non-existent. Uh, if you, you know, if you if you do things the way you should, the way you're supposed to, immigration would be nearly non-existent. Yeah. Right. When I say about, but uh, uh, well, we need to be culturally enriched. Um, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, we've had oh. enough rape. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't need any more culture enrichment. You can keep that. Yeah. <laughs> had enough rape and murders of, of teenage girls. Please, no. That, that doesn't happen, but you rape, I rape, you rape me with your words. <laughs> hmm. What was it, the one argument I saw here about a month ago we were talking about? Well, you know, there is more, more white, more violence from white people than there is other groups of people. True, there is. However, let's put it in perspective. That's because 65% of the population is white. However, if we break it down to per 100,000 white people versus per 100,000 of minority group, any of the minority groups just about, except for maybe the Asian minorities, um, crime is – there's no comparison. Who commits more crime? Per 100,000 people – Minorities commit more crime than white people do. End of story. Now, if you just want to look, if you just want to say, "Oh yeah, in America, more white people commit crimes, violent crimes than minorities," you're correct, but it's disingenuous because it's not the truth. Because if 65% of the population, if 50% of the population were minority and 50% of the population were white, then the minorities would commit far more crime, violent crime, than the white people would. That's just the way the statistics play out. But because of slave morality, we can't talk about that. Now, um, as far as the Catholic Church stuff, though, I have to say that's mostly all a bunch of white guys, primarily, which is pretty disgusting. It's it's, it's degenerate uh, resulting from degeneracy coming from degeneracy that's spread throughout yeah. the church. Yeah. It's going back, I was thinking about going back. Uh, cultures that lean left, um, they tend to emphasize uh, being highly educated, getting educated every opportunity, and I think that's 
just um, taken over our culture because it leans left. Um, well, that's because they, they mean what they really mean is they they highly encourage you to get as much brainwashing as you can get. Yes, exactly what it is. Now, not everybody's as strong-willed as I am, and I'm tooting my own horn because, like I said, I came out of college, out of out of the university, uh, more reinforced as a right winger more inclined to be against a lot of the things that they teach. And I got A's on papers about Marx and about socialism and communism. I got A's on those. So it's not like I ignored any of that stuff. I took all the same stuff everybody else did. I got great grades. Graduated with a high grade, high GPA. I've got so, a great grade on my final on intro to sociology. Because and you, yeah, don't get, I, you don't get too too much further to the left in sociology classes, I hate to say. Yeah, I I had to write from their perspective, and I hated it. And I wrote a very good paper, and I got a 140 out of 150. Yeah. But what that does for you is it teaches you certain things. It puts you in their shoes, puts you from their angle. You see, you understand a lot but from their it, side. It, it, makes put, you, it makes you lethal. It puts you in their rags. Yeah, it makes you lethal when you have to take them on in a debate or something. It makes you lethal because I have you know thoughts. you know them. Yeah, I have original thoughts. <laughs> uh, yes, <clears throat> original thoughts, thoughts that you've heard from TV. Platitudes. Orig- yeah, platitudes. I have original platitudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ain't old parables. You know, I hate that stuff. I hate it when people substitute platitudes for arguments. Uh, but so, so I guess, I guess in the end, you know, from where I'm at as far as the church goes, um, I'm very disappointed, David. Very disappointed. I, I've I've been a Catholic now for ten years, and. Um, I've always ha- uh, had nothing but good feelings for the Catholic Church. I've always been proud of, of being Catholic. Um, and this, for the first time in a long time, I'm I'm not sure about that right now. I was very disappointed in in this particular Pope and some of the things that he said over the years. Uh, but I'm I'm very dis I'm, I'm and I just told you. Not two months ago, David, didn't I just tell you that I've, I'm not, I don't have a beef with the Pope. I'm just going to ignore the stuff he says is political and pay attention to when he talks about things about heaven and the spirit and the soul and, and religion and God and Christ, and that he's still the Pope. And then boom, Now that's become away. fair game. Now that's become fair game. Yeah, you think so? Because you think that's fair game now? Because uh, you don't know. Because he was as as he was talking when what was released today or what that came out, came from yesterday from Vigano's um report uh what as as that happened yesterday he was in Ireland talking about forgiveness talking about um um Talked about, uh, yeah, forgiving everyone. 
like he always compassion. does. Compassion. Compassion and sympathy or empathy. Because sympathy is something different altogether, but empathy and yeah. go ahead. So he's so so uh Vigano's report came out right when right when he or that stuff was hitting the news really right when he was making those making his speech and talking. Yeah. There's well there sure has been anti popes in the past. Popes get elected for politics. I I've come to the I, I honestly believe that's what happened here. And and I think that the reason he got into the position he's in is because he's protecting certain powerful individuals and there's a strong gay I I, I don't believe it's a theory anymore. I think that I, I've come to the conclusion that it's real. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy. And uh, I, I think that uh, I think that that's what happened. I think that uh, Benedict got pushed out, and because because I think that he he wasn't going to protect these people. You know, he'd been slapped pretty hard in the past for being involved in protecting somebody when he was in Germany. And so I don't think he was going to, and I think that they pushed him out and put a pope in place that was going to protect that particular wing of the church, that particular inside group. That's my opinion. But I do think that we, we're beyond the idea of a conspiracy theory at this point, and I think we're we're at the point of there is it's not a theory anymore. I do think that. What do you think? Yeah, it's uh, it's there. The allegations are there, and the allegations are very likely to be true. Um, it's just just a matter of time. Um, it says in Scripture that um, that the church will never that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church, and I believe that to be true, and I believe that will happen. It's just figureheads in the church need to be um, released. And, and and all the silence become more transparent. Uh, I will right. I will remain I will remain a Roman Catholic. I won't join the Orthodox Church. I I don't I have no intention of becoming Orthodox either. To be honest, and I and I I have no I've seen, I've seen that flight. I've seen that well, flight. I think, I think you're getting ready to see. I think you're getting ready to see more of it. The question is, though, which Orthodox Church? I mean, we have the Greek Orthodox, we've got the Russian Orthodox, we've got uh, the uh, I mean, there's the like Coptic, four or five Orthodox churches. Syrian. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We've, we've got the Patriarch in Syria. You get the Patriarch in. Um, I don't know if he's a patriarch, but there's like a there's a um, Coptic churches. Well, he's he's kind of he. That's that that church is kind of a pre-Roman Catholic type, pre-Council of Nicaea type church, I believe the Coptics are. I think so they're very different. That or that or Chalcedon. Okay. Yeah. So so I think. I think that uh, you see a flight, and I, and I think that the Catholic Church from this point forward, from here on, is going to bleed until this pope is no longer here. 
if they're smart, if he actually loves the church, if he cares about the church, he'll step down. He'll resign, which will be the second pope in 600 years. That That's never happened. Two, two, two consecutive popes resigned. Yeah, that would be uh, historical. And I, I like the idea of Catholicism um, with the pope because it's um, fitting with Western civilization with the old monarchy. Yeah, the, uh, and this is why I'm now all, uh, a side reason why I'm not in favor of Protestantism because the past here is kind of like seen the pastor's seen as um, one of the people. Everybody's kind of almost, I would say, an equal foot, not exactly equal to him, because no one else can. Mm-hmm. No one else can really go and. Well, some people, yes, can speak in front of the church, like, and someone else can do communion in the church. There's exclusionary hierarchy where where there where no one else can do the actions the priest is doing no one can do the actions the um um pope is doing because uh, to me it goes kind of goes hand in hand with um with um following with master morality well and there's another side i mean there's another thing to think about and what you just mentioned a second ago Really, I mean, if you look around, the Catholic Church is the oldest surviving Western institution. I mean, it goes all the way back to Rome. It has survived all sorts of of tumultuous events, tumultuous events in in Western civilization. Excuse me. And and it has continued to, to, to go through history all the way up to this point. And I think it's a it would be a real shame for the church to to begin to disintegrate now because of a few, because of some individuals who who re- refuse to put the church above their own personal their own personal well-being so if if the pope is a man of god and i i i believe he is i hope he is and and he he actually cares about the church and he cares about you know the word of God and he takes his position seriously. Then I think that he will understand. I think he will realize on his own that it's probably time for him to step down and to let somebody take that seat that uh, can can now do a better job and and won't be saddled with this mess. You know. So and I think that's that's where we are. Um, I think it's important that the Catholic Church survive, simply from the perspective that it is the oldest surviving Western institution. I mean, we're looking at thousands of years. So, um, two thousand years. Yeah, two thousand years. Is it, two thousand years. Uh, if you're going to be historically accurate, thirty-three eighty. Right. Well, I um, agree. I'm not going to go into a bunch no. of scripture why, but because I I do no, know. No, no, I, I, 
I agree with you. Yeah. And I, and I think most people have accepted. I think that it, most people accept that the church started then. I mean, it started with Christ. Um. So, I mean, for where I'm at now, I mean, this is a, our first episode of season two. I, in a way, I'm kind of sad that we started off season two on this on this topic, but I, we didn't really have a choice. I mean, we had to address it. Um, but us both being Catholic. Back, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're both Catholic, sure. Glad to be back, though. Um, and we've had a lot of fun. We did a lot of episodes in season one. Tend to do a lot more episodes, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Big news, you're you're moving. So. Yeah, I'm moving to Florida uh, Saturday. Okay, pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting stuff, David. So, so I don't know. I mean, uh, next episode, my, it, it might be we might be able to a squeeze one in. Then again, then again, maybe not. I don't know. Might might be a little bit after that before we episode in for season two, episode two. But we'll see. Um, I got a few things going on. I might be moving so on, maybe changing careers a little bit, going to teaching, uh, further down the path towards finishing my master's degree in political fit. So everything's moving right along. Um, but either way, I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll do like we did last season and we'll kick out another 20, 30 episodes before we, so maybe this season will be longer since we're starting at the end of the summer, as opposed to early spring, because last season we, we started in, I think February, March. So, um, any any topics? We got about five minutes or so, six minutes or so. If you want to, anything that you'd like to bring up or throw out there for the audience. Um, I, don't uh, the RCIA programs in churches are um, they're cucked. Uh, Catholic colleges are cucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not the church, yeah, not the church itself. That. It's just the it's just the people administering it, right? It, right. It's just like a church. The, the people in the church do for, forever. It's the same RCIA program forever. It's just the people teaching it. Yeah. Uh, these these people in the church do this. Therefore, um, this is what the church does. Right. No, the church, that's a good point. Pe- certain group of people who weren't um, who weren't told by the church to do this um, uh, during the Crusades, they did it, but they represented your church. <laughs> oh boy, we about to hit the. We got we have four minutes left, four or five minutes left, and you're you're opening up that can of worms. Um, <laughs> the Crusades, because we could do we could do a, we've already done an episode. We could do a whole another episode. We had uh, we had Doctor Bill Warner on for an episode on that, um, and that was a great episode uh, last season. I, I would say for me, one of the things that you and I have spent a lot of time discussing uh, between season one and season two is uh, critical theory and uh, Habermas, Horkheimer. Uh, uh, I I didn't know Benedict from, met critical oh, theory. Oh, you talking about Ratzinger? 
Yeah, Eddie Ratzinger. Yeah. I didn't know he met. I didn't know he met Habermas. Yeah, apparently so. So it's kind of interesting. Well, I mean, in German, you know, and one's a major yeah. theologian and the other one's a major philosopher. So, so theology uh, and philosophy uh, are really not that far apart. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I would say we we've spent a lot of time studying and talking about uh, Habermas and Fromm and Kusa and these other guys in critical theory in general. Uh, in particular, psychoanalysis, social psychoanalysis of society, as opposed to the individual. I mean, we, we've been doing a lot of talking, man. I'm sure that we're going to have some episodes where we discuss some of that. Oh yes, um, critical theory in Hollywood movies. Yeah, yeah, we spent a lot of time discussing Taxi Driver too. Uh, and yeah, that movie. I like the Matrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Another thing, topic that we're probably going to end up addressing at some point is, is whether we, you know, I, I'm starting to see some people out there saying that they believe the Star Wars franchise is dead in the water already. The whole thing. That, so that, that also there, inter- what's that? That also intersects a little bit some of the movie modern, um, mo- most recent trilogy um, slides a little bit into um, philosophy slides a little bit into um, critical theory. Yeah, yeah, critical theory, in it, or it's or it's offshoots, you know. Yeah, um, offshoot, like certain modern offshoots. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we're we firm, I mean, I am, and I know that you, you and I have talked about it, I think you are too, we're firm believers that some of the tools that are used in critical theory uh, to do their analysis were, were handy, their ideas were bullshit, bunk, you know, what they believed <laughs> at the end, but... Uh, Marcuse. Uh, yeah, Our, I don't believe Marx was falsified. <laughs> I don't believe Marxism was falsified. Not yet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He denies that Marxism has been falsified. And Karl Popper says it can't be falsified as it stands. You know, that critical theory can't be, or Marxism can't be, and that's why it's a pseudoscience. Um, it can't be falsified because it's not falsifiable. <laughs> Right, it's not falsifiable, and I and I and that's my opinion. I mean, I agree with Popper on that. And Popper used to be a, a Marxist, uh, but he realized he said later that it was a pseudoscience because it was unfalsifiable, and so he dropped it. Came more about that. The, the interesting thing about that is that Soros was one of Popper's was Popper's protege. So that's something food for thought, even though I really admire some of Popper's work. Uh, and Popper was good friends with Ludwig von Mises. Good friends. They were very good friends. Um, both of them had friends in, in the Frankfurt School. They were friends with, with – they knew a lot of those guys. So very interesting stuff there. Lots of stuff to go over this season. We have many, many things to talk about. Lots of lots of guests we'd like to have on and, and hope to have on over throughout the season. But, but um, Mises was yeah. Mises was a Jew. Oh yeah, well you know, goddamn Jew tricks, right? Yeah, everybody's <laughs> talking about the Jew tricks. Oh, the Jews. You know, maybe if we were so good, we'd, quit, we'd take a little time and stop blaming other people for our problems. We'd fix some of them. And we're our own worst enemy. I mean, I don't see any difference between that and claiming white privilege. Everybody, everybody, everybody's got to have somebody to blame. Everybody's got to scapegoat somebody along the line. You know, but it's always it's always easy to take all your problems and blame them on one one person or one group of people. Uh, um, 
you know, I'm not saying that that well, I'm not saying that that uh, Jewish culture and and so on doesn't have some unique um, aspects of it that present challenges to the cultures that they uh, they move into the nations that they move into. I'm just saying that uh, ultimately, when it comes down to what happens to people in Western Europe. Uh, uh, nothing can be done to people in Western Europe that that people in Western Europe don't let happen. So whatever happens, they let it happen, and they until they until they accept that they they're not ever going to stop it from happening again and again and again. So same thing going on right now. You can see it right now with Islam. We're allowing it to happen. We're not doing anything about it. Yeah. They just um, like with the um, well, it's it didn't do nothing. Yeah, didn't do nothing. Well, we're at the end of it, David. I guess it's time to call it a wrap. Uh, it's been a good show. We'll try to have a have someone on with us next time. Looking forward to it, and uh, you know uh, that's what we say. We we want to be very careful about becoming white dindus, right? We didn't do nothing. It was the Jews. <laughs> I will say that the culture does exhibit, Jewish culture does exhibit slave morality. Oh, yeah. It is, a lot of it's transferred over into Christianity, modern Christianity. But, you know, like I said, though, we just want to be Judeo-Christian white is a, Judeo-Christian is a, a modern creation. It, and, and a lot of these Protestants and some Catholics a lot of these Protestants um, like to say, oh, yeah, we're, we're the same as them. I'm like, uh, not really, if you look at it, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Well, that's true. Well, on this note, I guess this is where we where we close up shop for the night. We'll be coming back at you soon with episode two. Uh, David, it was good good discussion. As always, mm-hmm. I always appreciate having you on there and having these discussions. So, take care, bud. You too. We'll talk, we'll talk soon. Close all university departments for black, Latino, women, gender, queer studies, and so forth as incompatible with science and dismiss its faculties as intellectual imposters or scoundrels. As well, demand that all affirmative action commissars, diversity and human resource officers from universities on down to schools and kindergartens be thrown out onto the street and be forced to learn some useful trade. Six, crush the anti-fascist mob. The transvaluation of all values throughout the West, the invention of ever more victim groups, the spread of affirmative action programs, and the relentless promotion of political correctness has led to the rise of an anti-fascist mob, tacitly supported and indirectly funded by the ruling elites. This self-described mob of social justice warriors has taken upon itself the task of escalating the fight against white privilege through deliberate acts of terror directed against anyone and anything deemed racist, right-wing, fascist, reactionary, incorrigible, or unreconstructed. Such enemies of progress are 